0: Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church, with Rev L, all the way from the north of England. Episode 73, Funny Ways. I'm going to tell you a vicious lie today. Will you believe it? We're zooming in on a tiny Christian camp for boys at the top 30 English boarding schools, ...called Ewan Minster. Last time we said some of them are good leaders. What else can we say? These people often stretch their own social etiquette... ...but talking quite a lot about God. So what do they believe? Well, their theology is narrow. Bash believed in a simple ABC gospel... ...admit, believe and confess. And there's an awful lot of talk... ...about the individual standing before God... But the Ewan believer is not climbing the ladder to heaven alone. They have lots of other yummy, plummy people holding their hands and helping them upwards and onwards. Now, of course, some of their clergy grow out of Ewan. They get to the age of about 30 and say to the latest invitation to go and serve on camp, thank you very much for giving me a good grounding, but I'm moving in a slightly bigger world now. Take a couple of the Etonians we've mentioned at the top of London church life. Justin Welby has broadened in his beliefs and his commitment to the whole church. Nicky Gumble has gone down a more charismatic path. True blue Eurminster loyalists would regard Nicky's alpha course as not very sharp or clear, nowhere near a match for the Eurminster camp talk sequence it's based on. If you want to grasp the full reach of Ewerminster, you've got to look at the Christian leaders who see a school camp as well, simply their whole youth club rather than a lifelong membership club. Both Justin and Nicky only have to open their mouths and you can spot the ticks and house style of Ewerminster, that if affected slight hesitation mid sentence to sound more human. And a good deal of more liberal bishops who have more decisively rejected the UN Gospel, were trained in this club. So their theology is narrow, and I suppose I would say simplistic. What about their culture? Are they narrow here? They come from a very particular cultural group which seems pretty alien to most of us. For many years, their biggest arguments in offices' planning meetings were not theological but culinary. What food to serve? Bash was obsessive about creating an environment where these boys would feel at home and feel amongst their own. And they're often very protective of their culture. Now, Bash was no great intellectual, but on this one, I see him as a man ahead of his time. He realised that human beings are group animals who care very much about all sorts of tiny things that to outsiders seem trivial. He instinctively understood that if you want to win people and keep them with you, then you need to take their culture very seriously. One of the most impressive Ewer Minister vicars I've ever known was Mark Ashton. His final years in ministry were as vicar of the Round Church in Cambridge. I call it the Square Church. Can you guess why? A big Bible-bashing church whose pulpit was passed from Ewinminster Man to Ewenminster Stalwart. I knew Mark in the late nineteen eighties, when after being chaplain at his own old school, Winchester, one of the top Ewan schools, he ran Cipher, the Church Youth Fellowship Association. His inspirational book setting out his vision for youth work is one of the most helpful theories of Christian ministry I have ever come across. Yes, I know, helpful is one of their words. I can't even remember the anodyne title of the book. It might as well have been called Posh Boys Winning Plebs. He began with an admission, a very Ewan concession. Life is short and we're not going to change many people's lives. So focus on a smallish group, not much bigger than Jesus 12. Understand them, care for them lead them to Christ, train them to win others so they can start the process again with their chums. Something like that. Effectively, Mark was taking the Ewer Minster strategy and applying it to the wider world. Now I went to the church in Clapham Park near Ballam, where Mark was the honorary curate and I can tell you he practised what he preached. Our youth group was mainly drawn from tough, council-flat estates. A good half of these young people were black, and let's say their inner London educational experience was very different from Winchester College. Mark went out of his way to understand their culture and to create an environment where they felt comfortable to embrace his gospel. That is Ewer for you. Was Mark an outlying maverick. No, he wasn't. What he did at Clapham Park is something I've seen Ewan Minster people replicate again and again in all sorts of different contexts. Missionary manoeuvres beyond their own camp. Like many evangelical clergy of my generation, one of the most important training grounds for Christian ministry was a cipher camp where a few dozen leaders would take perhaps a hundred-ish teenagers on a coach from London, to an out-of-season boarding school in Devon or Dorset. We give them a week's holiday, preach an evangelistic talk a couple of times a day and counsel them towards embracing the Christian faith more fully in the dorms. Every camper was covered by a particular leader. When I started this, I was still working for the bank and the commitment required was really quite serious, quite a sacrifice. We always had a leaders weekend usually at Fairmile Court the St Helen's Bishopsgate Retreat Centre just as subliminally remind us that we were servants of the conservative evangelical movement not those dodgy charismatics from HDB Most of the leaders would be in their 20s but there was of course one 40 something overseer a controversial character who was a huge Ewan hero Jonathan Fletcher was the minister, although nominally Anglican. They didn't like words like vicar at Emmanuel Wimbledon. But he spent most of his time all over the south of England, discipling the key boys from key schools. He was at the heart of Ewminster in this period, and when he wasn't strictly within the Ewan Club, he was presiding over camps like ours, keeping us keen, sharpening us up on everything from our grammar to our doctrine to our games with the youngsters. Although the two words Ewenminster were rarely spoken out loud, there was no question. We were there to learn the Ewan Minster ways, and he was there not just to teach us, but to enforce compliance. Now, the children on our camp came from youth groups of churches all over London and the home counties, a much wider social group than Eunominsta. So let me tell you a story about the colliding socio-economic cultures on our camp. In nineteen ninety-one, Jonathan Fletcher complained to me that some of my youth group from St Michael's Blackheath Park were having a bad influence on the boarding school boys from Eunominsta. He told me that well-to-do parents were complaining to him that my lads, who mainly went to Dulwich College, highly selective and private, but merely a London day school, were leading boarding school boys onto the fringes of crime in general, and drugs in particular. He told me that in the sight of God, Minster boys count for so much more than London day school pupils. So he wanted to kick me and my lads out of the camp. We would not be welcome next year. Now I did warn you. Did you fall for it? I'm a very good liar and I've made that story up. I've told you what many people who know you Minster from afar want to hear, what they want to think. Jonathan Fletcher has been discredited with abuse and I'm not going to defend him. There's no shortage of stories about Jonathan in the church. But no, this one is a lie. I've made it up, or rather I've distorted the truth. That's not really what happened. Now let me tell you the truth. When I was curate in Blackheath, one of the things our parents expected from me was to help keep their little darlings away from rough kids. I was painfully conscious that the success of my large thriving youth group depended in part on the support of parents. So I took their concerns seriously. At our cipher camp in 1991, some of my boys were mixing with children much rougher than they would normally meet and they were getting a bit lively. One of my less joyful responsibilities was to collect half a dozen Blackheath boys from the custody of Bridport Police Station on a Saturday morning after their mini Friday night riot got them into police custody. I'll never know the rights and wrongs of exactly what happened on that night. But I can tell you that the Blackheath parents blame the rough kids from rough London estates. They were the sort of kids who came to camp boasting about how many cars they'd stolen, offering my boys free tuition in how to open a locked vehicle, with the blade they just happened to have in their pocket. Now, Jonathan Fletcher was actually very proud of recruiting these youngsters to our camp. But the sharp-elbowed, upper-middle-class Blackheath parents were appalled, and they kept up the pressure on me all summer, and things came to a head at the Notting Hill Carnival August bank holiday weekend. I'd gone there to get away from the pressure of work and relax, but as bad luck would have it, I happened to see a bunch of our kids doing drugs with some of the worst behaved teenagers from our camp. It's one of those depressing, awful moments when you just don't want to believe what your eyes are seeing. So I complained to Jonathan Fletcher. I said, The only benefit I can see from taking our children to your camp is that they're slipping into criminal gangs. And yes, there was a sharp exchange of words. The Ewan minister hero accused the old and comprehensive kid of placing middle-class snobbery above the Christian gospel. I said, we can't compete with the criminal gangs and organise crime. He gave me a lecture about God's love being for everybody. So I suppose if there's a snob in this story, that would have to be me, not him. I was listening to Dominic Cummings, who masterminded the sadly successful Brexit campaign, say what he thought most politicians lack is effective focus. He claims to have studied successful billionaire businessmen, from Warren Buffett to Elon Musk, and he reckons that their most notable behavioural trait is focus. I've never seen any group of Christians focus on their gospel like the Ewenminster tribe. Let's look at their commitment. How long do they maintain their focus on gospel ministry? I suppose I was pretty focused for a decade or two, but that makes me lightweight by their standards. When they take up a job, they stay committed forever, or so it seems. If your new vicar is your minister, then I hope for your sake you like them because you're never going to get rid of them. They commit themselves for ages and forever. Many clergy want to move on after five years. My training vicar, Henry Faithful, clocked up 27 years in that post. Astonishing commitment. And there's a clue as to how they view their career. They don't. They're not interested in what clergy call preferment. How could chairing the Diocesan Synod compare with the importance of preaching the gospel and discipling the elect week in, week out, year after year, in muddle through in the marsh? The pastor of a flock is the pinnacle of church life. Now are you starting to see why Sarah Mullally, mere Bishop of London, does not rank in their top handful of church positions in London? I admire their indifference to promotion, which is refreshingly countercultural amongst the greasy pole climbers. But the other side of this is, shall we say, they're not renowned for respecting their bishop's leadership, especially where she's a woman. One of the first Ewerminster men I ever knew at Durham University got into a spot of bother in his Midlands parish quite recently. Yes, he went to that school. When I realised his Darson bishop is female, I thought back to my acute embarrassment and incident at St. Helen's Bishop's Gate when we were in our early twenties. And I just told him I was leaving the bank for St. Christopher's hospice on my route to theological college. And in a very loud voice with a belly laugh guffaw, he ran round the church declaring, "Ah, oh, leave is going to be a nurse. At that point he was in the army. What he found so hilarious was that I was going into a female dominated occupation. These boys like all male institutions and struggle with female leadership. When he clashed with his female bishop I couldn't help wondering whether she was the first woman he'd had to answer to since his nanny. If I were a woman bishop, I would be wary of Ewan men, Yes, these people have their funny ways. They would bridle at the accusation of misogyny. We've got lots of women in our church, they would say. Not just making the drinks, but discipling women. I don't buy their theory of what they call complementarity, which is how they justify barring women from overall church leadership. But I wouldn't call them misogynist. I would say they're old-fashioned. Many of these men are terrified of strong women. But don't underestimate their ability to adapt. Their schools are changing, and as they admit girls, so do their camps. They learn to work with plebs like me, and they need to learn to work for women. Yes, they have their peculiar ways, but they are ruthless in adapting their culture to serve their gospel. St Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. And that is very much in the spirit of the Euminster people. Just look at the website for Titus Trusts, which runs three of their camps today. You can still see the glow of private school prosperity and Horsey outdoor complexion on the leaders' faces in the photos. You can read the clues that their gospel is pretty narrow old school. But the feel is much more normal and inclusive. They're getting more normal and ordinary. On this trajectory, perhaps within a hundred years, they will be on the council estates of Bolton. And if they ever do land on the back streets of Bolton, Expect to see a class act in cross-cultural mission. Thank you for listening to episode 73. Next week, the final part of this series, Do We Want Posh Leaders in Our Church?